G'day, my name's Christian. I've quit my corporate job so I can spend more time with my daughters and have amazing chats with regular people in Sydney because life's too short not to do something you love. I hope you enjoy my podcast. Next job is Matt. It's a 12 minute job. Just here in Coogee. In a busy morning, stopped to do the shopping. It's pretty overcast today. A lot of clouds in the sky. A few, 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 few spots of rain. That's going to be down here on the left. How are you, champion? Thanks, mate. How you doing? All right, brother. Ah, good on you. Mate, there's a bit of hand sanitizer in the back there for you. Just yeah, watch, your, you. watch your door, champion. There we go. And that microphone in the middle here, matey, is me recording for my podcast. Oh, yeah? So I hope you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, go for it, mate. Thank you, man. That's awesome. How good's that? That's fantastic. I was lucky enough to have Fitzy in the car from Nova on Tuesday as my celebrity guest. Oh, uh, yeah? So Sorry to disappoint. Yeah, well. <laughs> mate, mate, I, I, the podcast is built on normal passengers, mate. So yeah. your stories are the ones I love the most. <laughs> fair play, fair And whereabouts play. are you from, boss? Mate, I'm obviously from England. Yeah, whereabouts? Um, Northampton, which is like East Midlands, about an hour north of London. Yeah, nice. What brought you to Australia? Ah, good question. I I always wanted to... I've been over here for six and a half years. Yep. Um, I think I sort of outgrew my hometown when I was about 20. Always had the urge to go travelling. My best mate put a backpack on and went around sort of Southeast Asia for a few months. Ran out of money, got to Melbourne and just stayed in Australia. Is that right? Yeah. Moved to Sydney within the year and been in Sydney for about five and a half years. What do you, what's the best part about it? Oh, just the lifestyle's different to the yeah. home. There's more, you don't feel like you're in a city here. You've got all the opportunities of being in a city, like work wise and money wise and stuff like that. But you've got the outdoors, the beaches. Pretty, pretty chilled out, yeah. That's it, mate. What do you do for a crust? Uh, I'm a, I manage an after-school care program. Nice. Uh, sort of youth and family service over at Bondo Beach. Awesome. Yeah. Are you busy at the moment? Uh, yeah, yeah. We're sort of as normal. Um, yeah, haven't been affected, luckily. I might just go left here. It might be a bit easier with those yeah, little narrow streets up there, mate. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, um, I don't know what the kids are doing themselves, to be fair, mate. If, if places like that were shut down at the moment. So what what sort of services do you, prefer, no, you provide to the kids? So we pick them up every day from all the local schools in Mono Beach um, and then my job was sort of, it was definitely a developing program when I, when I went into the role a couple of months ago and I'm just trying to engage them like in activities they wouldn't otherwise have the chance to do. Or... They tell you to piss off sometimes? Huh? Are they... Are they... Are they troubled kids or are they just kids that don't? Nah, have... do you know what? There's a bit of a stigma because we're a youth centre and we've got kind of. And that's the mis- that's the misconception I had. That, yeah. That I thought maybe if you're saying youth and. Yeah, it's it's, it's such a, it's the same in the UK. You sort of. Yeah, everyone sort of views it as oh they're troubled and they're from a broken family. Like we, we cater for anyone. So the ones that are from broken families, do you have to do a little bit more work with them? Yeah, like we'll we'll have sort of a full risk assessment and be fully aware of their background and stuff like that. Some of the kids might have court orders where certain parents can't pick them up or can't even be within a radius of them and stuff like that. Oh, that must be hard um, for the kids though. 
Mm-hmm. That must be hard for the kids. That's uh, impossible, mate. I couldn't imagine it. I never luckily had to go through any of that when I was a kid. I mean, I'm, I'm separated from my ex, but we had a very amicable 50-50. Yeah. Week on, week off, and there's a few bits and pieces in the middle that we work around. The way to do it, yeah. And that works very well in our circumstance, but some of these kids, mate, I'd hate to have the pull and push and pull that they have with their parents. And then they come and go, mate, and then yeah. once they go in the system there and they could get a new home every every few months, it's, it gets messy. Um, Are any, of them, any of them make it out, but amazingly, a lot of them do. Oh, that's and awesome. they become decent human beings, decent adults. Well, they're all decent, I guess, to start with, aren't they? It's just the fact they've got a few little chinks in their armour. Yeah. And they sort of, it's tragic to see like a 10 year old having to make adult decisions and be like placed in that situation. Yeah, it's heartbreaking to see, but. Do you get emotionally involved? Yeah, I, d- I definitely struggle to detach from it. From my how, how do you detach from it then? I probably don't, to be honest. Yeah, that's like, you, you love your sleepless nights and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but I've, I've kind of I've worked with with sort of youth and kids and even young adults for about thirteen years. Wow! Like pretty much my whole career um, has been based around that. Um, but I think it's more like obviously I've learned a lot more self care and just trying to detach and just focus on other parts and keep a social life and and sort of focus on other things. But at the same time, I think it's it's a quality that I can't detach sometimes. Yeah. Because it shows it shows that you care. I feel like most people in the industry would be the same. Do you ever want to say, look... If you find it easy to detach, then maybe you're not the right fit for it. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not something you should be able to just switch off from. Do you ever get to the point where you think, fuck it, I'll just take one of these kids and just look after myself? (laughs) You think about it, yeah. But obviously you can't. That's the the biggest struggle, I'd say, with the job. It's not the kids, it's the the parents and the carers. Like, obviously in general, most most parents are really good, like happy days, but... But yeah, the biggest battle would be with the parents rather than the actual children. Um, when you can't get through to a parent, then what hope has the kids sort of got? It's, it's pretty hard. What's the biggest battle with the parents? What are you trying to communicate to them? Like consistency. Say, because you still want to discipline a child and let them know right from wrong. Yep. But if they don't have that at home or their parents aren't willing to get on board... You no chance. Yeah, they need that consistency in their whole life. You can't just preach them one thing for a couple of hours in the afternoon and then they can go home and run a market and do whatever they want. Are you guys open on the, the weekend? The kid may think it's fun in the short term whilst they're a kid, but it's just not going to happen. Wait till real life hits them. Yeah. Uh, weekend for Mike. So Mike is at 8 to 12. Um, so we're just after care and then we have a sort of holiday program um, every holidays, which yep. we just finished ours last week. Um, and then at the weekend, the youth service is used for 12 to 16 year olds. Wow. As kind of a drop-in, which is a completely free service where kids can just go there, be safe, hang out, other than just be, sort of just being be, on the streets, getting up to a bit of mischief. Just going. be kids. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Put it in a safe space where they're supervised to do it. What sort of activities do you have for them? So at the centre, there's like a basketball court on the roof, skateboard ramps, they've got a pool right? table at the back, yeah, playstations. Oh man, that's, uh, I'm, I'm coming, yeah, I'm coming there. Right. Mate, I'm coming there. Yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? Um, it's not bad and then uh, we take them on a lot of excursions so I've just started doing mixed martial arts up in Bondi Junction um, at Eagles MMA yeah, yeah, yeah. and they'll, they'll like train the kids for an hour on a Monday 
Uh, on a Tuesday, they do some music lessons at the centre. On a Wednesday, we take them to a different skate park anywhere in the eastern suburbs. Although on this Wednesday, Goldman went to Sydenham Skate Park. Wow. Yeah, we've got a new instructor who sort of meets the kids over there, guides them through. Because they're all Bondi Beach, they're, a lot of them are surfers and skaters. Yeah, of course, yeah. And do you feed them? Yep, yep. Give them a sort of afternoon, afternoon tea, even dinner if for those that hang around later. Because we're open till seven at night, so some of the parents. I bet you there'll be some parents that get there right on the dot of seven. Yeah, you know, five to seven, bowling in. I've been aware of parents that would just be at home, and the house is the next block away from the school, and their kid will be. This was at a different service. The kids will be there until six at night. They'll go to before school care, so they'll get to school at seven a.m. and then at six p.m. they get picked up. That makes they, were, sense. they were twins in year two at the time. So that, that, that is they terrible. live an hour a day out of the house. They well, do they're... well to have an hour for in a week with their parents. Wow, that, that's tragic, man. It is, but then I don't I don't know anything about the parents' situation. I don't know what they're doing in that time. No, they're I guess we, we make we, else, yeah know, we make judgments on yeah what we see, but, but on the face just, of it, it doesn't look good. Oh, it's, it's tough for the children. They're absolutely knackered as well by the end of the day. Do they confide they wanna, in you as well? They just want to curl up in a ball and sleep when it gets to five o'clock. Yeah, I bet, yeah. Do they confide in you? Yeah, you, yeah, you build that rapport. It, it'd be very rare that a child will just open up to you. Um, but once you've been there a few weeks and stuff like that, and they know that you're someone who can trust. A lot of the time, because um, it's very female-dominated childcare, uh, as well as sort of primary school education is, um, I definitely notice a child who's not got that sort of father type and they'll sort of come straight over to me as a male. It's always a way. A lot of the time it's the boys that do that as well, that's sort of missing the dad figure. Why are you doing an awesome job, mate? No, I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's funny because when like, Fitzy and I were talking on Tuesday about this mentor program, Raise. Mm. Raise.org.au. Yeah. And it's, a, it, yeah. It's, the, it's the mentor program. Letters to mentor, letters to your mentor, and like we're just talking about kids that don't have that mentor at home, and they lean on coaches, or they lean on, you know, the surf instructor, or they lean on the youth, yeah. the youth guy like you. That's their safe spot. That's their place they can go to, to talk to someone. Like you guys do a phenomenal job. So, I mean, I was, when I was younger, <clears throat> I went to about eleven or twelve boys' homes. And I was adopted out, and yeah. I, like, I would love to have had someone like you. Just to, yeah, just, not even to talk to, just to be near. You yeah. know, it's not you don't have to talk to someone all the time. But there was not you know, for a little while there. There wasn't that fatherly figure. But uh, more power to you, champion. More power to you. Uh, to everyone that does it, um, it'd be nice if it was more of a sort of flashy career, advertised a bit more when you're younger. But I guess those that want to do it will find their way somehow into, That's the, for sure, into the industry. That's for sure. There's another really good one just before we stop here called. Um, it's more for adult males, but I'm involved with mentoring men, um, which again is a mentoring program, but it's for uh, for like blokes who sort of stereotypical won't want to talk about their problems and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a really good. And what's that one called? Mentoring men. Mentoring men. Yeah. Mate, I'll yeah, give it a awesome. I'll, I'll give it a plug, man. That's awesome. Mate, good luck with everything. You're doing Absolute an incredible pleasure. job. Yeah, Thanks, this mate. This is a great setup as well. Thank really you, good mate. Idea, mate. Appreciate that. Have All a great right, day. Yeah. You take care. What was your name? Christian. Christian. Good on you. Cheers, brother. That was Matt, and he's just a fucking ripper bloke. Doing some awesome work in the youth space. 
Mentoring Men, another one of those little programs that Fitzy and I had a chat about. Raise.org, Mentoring Men. Mate, well done, Matt. You're a bloody good bloke, mate. Well done to you. So next trip this morning is Beck. Literally just picking her up from here. Oh, there she is. Hey, Beck. How are you? Not bad, yourself? Yeah, good, thanks. Awesome. That smells nice in here. Yeah, it's just the Hugo Boss that ah, I wear. Nice. Thank you. Now, what is it that you do? Uh, lost my job in COVID. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah. What, what did you do? Um, well, I'd worked with a lot of tech sales, uh, tech startups, but my background was 14 years in digital sales recruitment. Oh. So, yeah, I'd step back into recruitment with the plan to head up their office in New York. Right. And... Um, the GM was caught stealing money from the recruitment oh, business. Jesus. Stole over half a million. Wow. And uh, then four weeks later, COVID hit. So it's kind of forced the Australian Army into administration. That's a tough gig. So yeah, no New York, no job, no house. So what's, what are the positives? Uh, well, positives are I bought a COVID dog. What did you buy? A little caboodle. Jesus Christ. Uh, what about a person in your life? Broke up with my boyfriend. Fucking hell. Car blew up. Okay, I thought we were talking about the positives. <laughs> yeah, it's been such an interesting uh, this six, is, seven and months. This has all happened in six, seven months. Yeah, yeah, everything's been thrown at me. No cash, no income. No so house, what are you doing? No house in storage. So um, I'm from Wagga Wagga, so I might have to go back to Wagga for a little bit. Yeah. With, with your dog? With my little puppy dog. How long were you together with old mate? Four years. Who broke it off? Oh, we both did. We both, it, it was always going to be an end date. We love each other. We're great friends, best friends. But it had it, no it, it run its race. We both cried. We both just weren't going to get married, you know, 36 and had to make an adult decision. Wow. That is outrageous. Yeah, we had a good chat and... Just decided to give it a rest. Yeah. So what does the weekend have in store for you then? Let's 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 look at the positives to that. Positives. Yeah, come oh, on, let's right. go. We've got it we've got a, we've got two K's. I know, right. I've got a girlfriend's birthday dinner tonight. Where's Ripple's, that? Ripple. Okay, nice. Curability or Wilson's point. And um yeah, then I'm gonna keep it chill and stay with a girlfriend on her couch and bond at the moment. So hopefully do some exercise and Try to keep my mind straight, right? Wow. you got a bit going on, darling. Yeah, yeah. It's been a bit tough and... Um, it'll come good, though. It'll come good and and I suffer from bipolar depression, so it's been... So you've got of, good good people around you? Yeah, I've had to, in and out of hospital, you know, it kind of really... It was everything at once. Yeah, I get it. But, so who did, who did you lean on then when you needed to speak to someone? Um, well, I had a couple of friends come and see me at the hospital and they're, I think they must be in talks with my family and there's some, they check in and, but I'm well medicated now, I'm great, trying to stay positive. Awesome, that's it. Yeah, seeing what's out there, there's not a huge amount of jobs doing what I do. And, but there's um, something, you know what, something will come along. And you've yeah, got, got to keep that positive mindset. It's all about timing, right? And, and I think you know, the world opens up opportunities that are meant to be for you. So the, the bipolar part, what does that mean? Because oh, I don't really understand that aspect of yeah. mental well, health. I mean, is it, is it, 
Is it something you're aware of? I wasn't so much until I was diagnosed maybe six years ago when I was really, really depressed. Yeah. And um, after a while, I was referred to a psychiatrist and was in hospital. And she diagnosed me looking back at my past history. And looking back now, I can see signs of when I was in you know, high school, the behaviour. Yeah. And then she also diagnosed me with borderline personality disorder. Okay. And the, the, the depression side of it, what, what's the toughest part about that? Um, gosh, I'm really telling you everything here. Yeah, look, you, know, you know what, because I reckon, this is, the, this is what I love about the podcast. Your story may inspire someone else to make that change. Yeah. And that's so important, you know, is that people don't talk enough about their, no, their problems. No, they don't. Because they bottle, they bottle it all up. Yes. And the more people that talk about it, the more people it might help. So obviously I respect the fact if you don't want to talk about it, um, it's t- entirely up to you, but it's, it's an amazing story though, Beck. Yeah, like I, um, I did write a post for the first time in my life on Are You OK Day. Awesome. About um, the options of, if you are feeling down, then explore your options of medication which I didn't really do at first, and it has changed my life. Is that because you were anti-medication? Well, yeah, I didn't want to believe in my diagnosis, and I didn't want to believe that I was weak and a failure. And but you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not weak, you're not a failure. It's just, it's just tough times. When somebody says that we're bipolar, like my first, I mean, it just, I guess there's a lot of stigma to it. So I thought it was like, oh God, I'm not batshit crazy. and. So a lot of therapy, a lot of medication. It took me two years to get my medication balanced right. Um, and where are you now? You're in a good space? Mentally, yeah, yeah I am. Well, everything everything know, else will fall into place. It's a lot of work. You've got to, you've, you've really got to choose your thoughts. It's, it's draining. It is a lot of work. The medication doesn't make you happy. It just, uh, it's like a, it equips you to... Um, Does it just balance you out? It can, yeah, but it's not always perfect. There are times that I need to adjust my medication, and there's been a couple of overdoses over the years. Oh, you got to stay strong, darling. Yeah, yeah. So it's just about medication therapy. Wow. Well, we're just here now. Yeah. Um, I could have, oh, mate, I could have given you a whole story I'm, there. Well, you've given me just a good start to the day. I mean, that's awesome. I wish you every success, darling. Yeah, thank you. I really you. do. Um, I might even just chop that Chop out here? here? Okay, well have a great yeah. weekend. Good luck with everything. And if you go <laughs> to Wagga, travel Sully. All the best. See you darling. Bye. Bye back. Oh shit. You got it? See ya. See ya darling. Well that was Beck. And for five minutes, she was talking pretty honestly. Wow, that's tough. Borderline personality disorder, bipolar. Man, we are so lucky. You just don't know who gets in the car, do you? And Beck has a bit going on, there's no doubt about it. Absolutely, she does. Um, but she's a beautiful girl and she'll come good. I'm sure she will. And with the medication and the help that she had, I think uh, everything, will, everything will come pretty good for her. So I wish her all the best, I really do. So, next job this morning is Angela <coughs> from the Darlinghurst Theatre Company. 12 minute trip. Is it going to be here? Where are I looking for Angela? I might have to just turn around here. 
come back the other way. Hey Angela. Hello, how are you? Good, thanks darling. Thank you for coming to get me. That's all cool. I contemplated public no. transport. No, don't be silly. Exactly. You're the best Uber driver in Sydney. Oh, well that's great. Yep. Okay. Now, uh, darling, her theatre company, Internida, what's happening with you? Well, I am an actor. Yes. And a uh, teacher. So I teach voice at NIDA. Um, I'm on the on the bachelor course, so I teach first and second years. Nice. And what do you um, teach about voice though? Because can, what can you teach me as a as an Uber driver who has a podcast? Yeah. Apparently, I've got a voice that people would listen to. Yes. Now like I can't I said, hear it myself. Right. No, you do. I'd say as well too. What you can do is think about not being so much in the back of your throat, being a little bit even more forward. Because if you're talking for like extended periods of time as yep. well too, that gets tired. Because sometimes we get used to being so conversational. True. Um, and then we forget when we're on mic, or when you've got the element of uh, performing, even though it's meant to capture real life things that are happening. When we use our voice, the normal ways or habitual ways that we do when we're kind of talking intimately to each other, sometimes that can actually be more of a, a hazard. No, I get it. I get yeah. it. All right, thank you. Um, but yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with your voice right now as you speak. So that's good. Oh, well, there we go. I that's mean, a good sign. Yeah, that's a, that's a good start, isn't it? Yes, it is. We can't we, we can't complain at this. No, we can't complain about this. So how long have you been a voice coach? Yeah, I would probably say it's very new. I did it my 15-month um, master's at NIDA. Yeah. And also trained there for my acting degree. So I've done my, my bachelor's and my master's there. Nice. I graduated on the 28th of June. Congratulations. Thank you. And then I got handed my casual contract uh, on the 20th of July. So I've been teaching the first semester. Wow. And then I'm heading over to Whopper next year to teach there for six months. Really? And then I come back and I've got a couple of shows that I'll be in. So what are the shows? Okay, so what, what made you get into acting first? We'll get to the shows in a okay. second. Okay, acting. What made me get into acting first? Well, look, I'd probably say my mum would say I've always... Uh, been a performer. Been, I've always been a performer. And yeah. when I look back at the pictures and uh, camera, like, you know, the little videos, yeah. as soon as I was where I was ready. As soon as I could see it, I was ready to go. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, so I think that, and, and then I think one day um, I realized in year 10 that I could do all the things, which was be a lawyer, a marine biologist, and an Egyptologist. So I was also obsessed with the mummy. Um, all in one by being an actor. There you go. So I just went, let's do it. And it makes so much sense. And then, yeah, it's kind of taken me through. So I would say my amateur career to to now my professional will be about 13 years in total including study when you were doing amateur production mm. what was your favorite thing to do you know what actually behind the scenes stuff yeah because it made me really appreciate how much work goes on for the actors but there's like this really cool commodity uh commodity that happens with uh you know backstage crew 
Um, and then kind of, I remember I did set design once. Nice. So I saw building stuff that, I mean, really now, if you paid me to build something, you probably should ask for your money back. <laughs> um, I like it. But yeah, I think that was my fun times. And because then you meet a whole bunch of crazy people. Of course, yeah. That are kind of like your own tribe. Yeah. So yeah, it was cool. And the professional side of it now, what's what, what have you been in? Is there anything of note that I would that I would know? So you will see my face. My first feature was in I Am Woman. That's now out on Stan. I'll be towards the end. It's when, just before her partner gets a little bit crazy, you'll see okay. me as a stage manager. Um, I've been in a show for the last four years, which is called uh, Brown Skin Girl, which was in me did last season at the um, Old Fitz. And that's now been picked up. Um, we've got some funding by Screen Australia. Really? And. Um, we're working with a production company called Rough Diamond, which is part of yeah. Village Roadshow, and we've just finished writing our pilot season, so we are now pitching. Wow, yeah. look at you. So, so what's the premise of that, that series? So we're three different brown uh, brown women. Um, I'm African-American, Cherokee Indian, and Italian, yeah. but I've grown up here, well, not in, in Perth. And then you have my friend Emily, who is Tongan Australian, and then you have Aisha, who is Maori and Grenadian. Yep. So it's about what it's like being third culture kids or mixed kids growing up in a Australian background at the same time, but not being enough of each to kind of identify okay. with one and what that what that's been like for your identity and just how you grow up in certain situations. And I guess the show kind of takes you through it. It would be our version of Sex and the City and Insecure now nice. so it's just about growing up and trying to figure out how do you navigate space really and find safe spaces and sometimes how those safe spaces get intersected through certain situations because of the way you look have you enjoyed doing it oh yes what's been the highlight of doing it because i feel like um and i'm not trying to put words in your mouth i feel like this is sort of a, a role that you can actually really portray what it's like as a brown-skinned girl. Well, yeah, because it's. I this is the first time I'm actually, I'm writing this role for myself, really, so I've never had a role that has the same ethnicity as me, or like that awesome. same, those same um, cross-sections. Um, I think the highlight of it is, well, when we all found is when we actually first performed it for theatre, is how many people shared those experiences yeah, wow. and where you thought that you were experiencing that in isolation and then having other women or men um, other people coming up and just going I've experienced that too thank you for sharing that you know and that made me real like remember like this is why I got into acting like yeah. not just because I could do all the things but it's because I could see myself in other people and I wanted to do that when you grew up, did you find it hard being a... Where, where did you grow up? I grew up predominantly in Perth. Okay. Um, and my mum and my dad are split, so I just grew up with my in a single-parent household in a very Italian background. Okay. Was it hard for you growing up in Perth as a brown-skinned girl? Yeah. What was the hardest thing about that? Everything. Really? Because you... You know, my family would see me as just one of their own but at the same time it's hard we had a, a fight about it like a couple of months ago um with me and one of my other family members and it's because they don't see my my blackness but you have to see that at the same time you can't say that i'm colorblind because we all see color it's not yeah. mean that there's anything wrong that you see the color 
It's, um, it's how you interpret. It's how you interpret and how you... It's understanding how some things you might have more agency than I do because of the way I look. Yeah. You know? Um, one of the hardest things, I think, was high school for me because I was too... I was too much of everything. I was too loud. Yeah. I was bigger than everybody else. I look very different than everybody else. Um, and, you know, I went to a very Italian... Uh, Catholic high school, but to everybody else, I didn't look Italian, so I had a lot of people telling me that I wasn't Italian. And kids have no filter, do they? No. They literally say what they think and without giving any thoughts. Yeah. And so I remember arguing with people so much because they would see my mom and be like, that's not your mom. And then I remember telling them that my mom was my foster mom. And then my mom had to come in for a parent-teacher oh. interview because I was naughty. And um, she goes, well, it must be hard for Angela. And I was like, what do you mean? You know? She said, well, because of her situation. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? She goes, because she's a foster, you know, foster kid. And my mom goes, no, I birthed her. <laughs> like, that's a polite version of what... Yeah, I, I have Tina. heard that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we call it, my mom has these moments, we call it Tina because there's no filter in her. <laughs> and she just says things, you're just like, that's Tina. That is awesome. Um, so, the, so the high school was pretty tough? High school was pretty tough. What about after high school? Even tougher because uh, through my last year, I had no friends. And my, my father figure, my uncle Mike, had passed when I went to go see my dad, who I hadn't seen him at that point in 10 years. Almost, probably just a little bit less. Yeah. So I was 16, going over to see my dad and my uncle, who had been pretty much raising us. Um, passed away two weeks me being into there. Wow. And so then when I was dealing with grief and depression at that time, I kind of alienated myself from my group. And then I graduated high school, and I had I had no no friends. So I just had to learn how to. That's for me where I think I've really learned my resilience. Awesome. Um, it's probably why I've stuck out my career as long as I have as well, and I will continue. Um, but it was hard. But I think having those moments were really useful because it's made the person that I am today. There you go. And That's a great story. It keeps reminding me though, because then you get to this thing where I'm realizing now, as I'm getting older, I'm like, I've just turned 31. You know, I'm going, okay. You get to the point where you want to be comfortable, but comfortable in the comfortability kind of kills your creativity yeah. and pushing yourself. And so now I'm having this new struggle where I'm having to push myself, where it was so normal for me to just throw myself out of my comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. I'm now having to renegotiate that kind of space. And that's... Um, that's a challenge? It is, it is a challenge. Like I just came from doing a reading for um, this new play and so it's the first time it's been heard with other like voices in the room and just having to throw yourself out there like okay we're just going to make a big choice just let it rip because no one really knows what they're doing yeah but it's fearful because you don't want to stick out you know um or you don't want to make the wrong choice but then it's like everything is built on like mistakes and fails and then all of a sudden now we have a car that works you know, yeah. at the first car, it probably definitely didn't run really well, you know, and then now after trial and error, we've got a fully oh, functioning okay. car. There you go. You know? I can relate in some ways because, I mean, I, I was kicked out of home when I was 17, adopted when I was younger. Mm. Um, and that resilience you talk about, I think that's where I found my, when I turned 17 mm. and the door closed, I think that's why I, I worked out that it's not, 
it's it's all me now. Mm. Um, you know, not I don't think I was ever bullied to the point you were. Fortunately, obviously, unfortunately for you, um, but it certainly made me a shitload stronger. Yeah. You know, I have two daughters, father of two daughters, mm. and I look at what they do and what you know how they interact with their friends, and I, you know, I think vicariously I live my childhood through them, mm. but times are completely different. Yeah. You know, to when you grew up, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lot older than you are as well, to when I grew up, you know, the, what kids would say to other kids, oh, just brutal. And then now you have the new form, which is now you've got uh, social media, uh, which means that you can never escape from it. How you look, what you say, you know, the, the TikTok dances, the whatever it is, it's just, it's next level. It is. Have you watched the... Um, yeah. Documentary I'm, Social Dilemma. Yeah, yeah. I already... Because I've already been watching this kind of stuff or like through TED Talks last year because I tried to give up being on my phone and I'm about to go off my social media again. Because my friend and I were talking about this. Actually, how much of what's in my space is now I've got, I'm living by myself. I'm going, how much of this is actually my own aesthetic yeah or is it the aesthetic now has been fed to me the reality is probably not much not, at all yeah you know because now I have a new aesthetic which when I wasn't uh, you know attached to my phone the way I would find things and my curiosity to go out and find stuff was so much more there whereas now it's just so easy Google to, yeah yeah you know or marketplace cool whatever it is there, yeah where yeah. I would get up and go to like garage sales or I'd come back around to go get stuff. I would carry stuff to wherever I was going. If it'd be work or like for a meetup, I'd be like, okay, I can't leave this here on the side of the road because someone will leave it. Yeah. So we're going to take it now, you know? Um, it's it's interesting because it's, and it's also scary because it feels, I feel like you lose, you start to lose your own identity, but we forget to keep questioning. How long will you go off social media for? I'm going to try and just go off of it. I think I'll keep Facebook Messenger active. Yeah. Um, and I'll take Facebook, the application off because I have family over in the States. So you need to be in contact. Yeah, yeah we I need get to be in con contact. Yeah. Well, Miss, I wish this you is, all the best. Thank you so much. Lovely to talk to you. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Don't be silly. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Give me two seconds. I've got my Take your time, darling. Film. Take your time. Because now I've got to go film my own little video explaining stuff called structural internal energy for the voice jesus is exciting things. good luck for you then lots of colors see you darling see you well that was angela voice coach good story good luck with the production thank you just say thank you to that lady for letting me swing around awesome wow she was cool so just a quick update for all the uh listeners out there Unfortunately, the, uh, the Instagram account was hacked and kept getting deactivated and through no fault of my own. And no amount of trying to uh, get it fixed over the last two weeks has prevailed. So, Aussie Uber, A-U-S-S-I-E-U-B-E-R, is the new Instagram account. And it flows pretty well into the Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Aussie Uber. But uh, hoping to get all those followers back and and then some thanks to everybody that's been supporting the podcast and the instagram i look forward to uh picking you up again soon and sharing those stories with you along the way